I need to know everything Who and the what and the where I need everything Trust me, I hear what you're saying But act like it's new what you're telling me I'm curious, George I hop in the Porsche Five and a horse I'm ready for war It's podcast time We're here <laughs> What's up? We're here What is up, everybody? Fernando Petty here with UVO Group Right here in the UVO studio uh, Today I'm joined with Alan, my co-host Alan Gutierrevich And we have Arjan Jaromi Yep Jaromi I pronounce it Jaromi Jaromi yep. Arjan Jaromi um, So, dude I haven't gotten too much into your story. Right. I know a little bit about you, right? And uh, this week I was like, man, I want to get somebody on that's interesting. And, you know, they're, they're doing pretty good and they got a cool story. And um, I was like, well, who better than Arjan, right? So, we wanted, so we're happy to have you here, bro. Dude, thank you for having yeah. me. Thank Both you, man. Really pumped, man. And um, Arjan, this is your first podcast. First podcast ever. First podcast. Cool. Cool. So. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Dude, you you got to do more of these. You I have to. I want to. Yeah. Because the conversations are always being had anyways. Yeah, exactly. You know? So thank so, you for having me. It means a lot. Yeah, dude. So, so tell tell us about yourself, man. So I know. So l- l- we can go into the company right now, what you're doing, and then we'll, we'll start to get a little bit of the backstory and everything. So where, where, where are you from? First so I'm from, I'm from Utah. I'm from Salt Lake. I grew up in Sandy. And, um, and like my parents were foreigners, right? So like, you know, they both immigrated here, both refugees. Um, and I have your like typical immigrant story. My dad worked his ass off. You know what I mean? Not like he worked nonstop. He was a real estate investor. 2008 took him down like I did most people. And, um, and I went down a little bit of a different path, right? I got caught up in like the drugs, the alcohol, you know, I was an addict at a very young age, right? Like, uh, there's specific science that shows like specific character traits for younger kids, right? That are that are addicts, like the kid that runs to the top of the stairs and jumps off and gets hurt, but then continuously does that, right? He can't really connect the dots, right? And that was that, I've I was never that heard kid. that before. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting, right? I need to take and my so, kids, <laughs> in, bro. <laughs> right? My, so th- my little daughter does that. No, th- and and th- they're saying that you know kind of the addict trait is connected to not understanding or not being able to conceptualize the consequences of your actions. Right. And so the kid that runs to the top of the stairs thinking he's Superman and jumps off and then hurts his ankle and you go to the hospital. And then three weeks later, he like goes back to the top of the stairs and he's like, well, only if I jump off with two feet this time, I'll land it and I won't get hurt. Mm. And then he does it again and he gets hurt. He goes to the hospital and then he runs back to that top, the top of the stairs once he recovers. And then he'll repetitively do it, right? Or the kid that continuously gets in trouble for the same thing. Yeah, And that was wow. me. Growing up, I was just always in trouble, you know? And it wasn't that I was a bad kid. It was just like I was just super, super high energy, and um, I just couldn't connect the consequences mm-hmm. to my actions. Yeah. And um, so by the time I got into, like, high school and everything, I got super caught up in, mm-hmm. in drugs. I found my solution in that moment, right? Like drugs and alcohol. You know, um, they made me feel good. And long story short, go to treatment in, in, in 2008, went to a rehab uh, in downtown Salt Lake called The Haven and um, completed that program. And But I was 18 at the time, right? And so I was fresh out of high school, go to rehab with all these old ass people. And they're crying about not having the energy to vacuum and like all this stuff where I was like, I don't know if I relate with these people. Like, yeah. I just think I got caught up in the wrong crowd. And... Um, so uh, once I got out of treatment, I, I started drinking and smoking and doing all this stuff again. And then the hab- you know, the cycle repeated just like the kid that runs to the stop- mm-hmm. top of the stairs, right? Like I couldn't connect the consequences. Yeah. And it just got 10 times worse. And I got sober three months after my 21st birthday. 
Wow. And then basically stayed sober since then. So Wow, dude. Yeah. That's awesome. In, in good 2011, job. So. That's good. You know, I see that with a lot of entrepreneurs, too. I see uh, um, a lot of uh, very risky behavior growing up. That's same story, not, I feel like, not every very time. Common. Yeah, not yeah. very common. Like, they're always pushing the envelope. Always. Yeah, always. So it's, I mean, I guess it can be utilized in a good way if you put it towards putting uh, uh, work into your own ideas, you know yeah. what I mean, and, and taking risks and stuff like that. Well, you know... The way my therapist talks about addiction, she's like, it's a different version of OCD, right? Like a lot of addicts, you know, the, you know, the, the example that I gave about the kid that runs to the top of the stairs, he's obsessed with the flight of stairs. He can't get over the flight of stairs. He's just completely infatuated with it, right? Whatever it was about jumping off the stairs and the feeling he had and all that is what he's infatuated with, right? So you take that to an addict or, you know, some people that may have that trait, but they just do it in different ways, right? Everybody's got a little bit of it in them. And, um, and I'm just, I was obsessed. I was obsessed with changing my mood and my feelings. And a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people who are successful, like they zone in and they're obsessed. Yeah, That's all they think about and they can't stop. Yeah, you you know? see a lot of them in the fitness industry too. Yeah. 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 Ton of addicts who've like switched their addiction to like fitness and nutrition and you know yeah being completely obsessed. I see that a lot and 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 I qu and I had this conversation with Brad before and I think even with Justin we talked about like sometimes it can be not very good. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if it's consuming your life and you can't have a relationship because you're so focused on what you can eat, what you can't eat, and how much right. time you're spending in the gym. And yeah, dude, I I, I see that a lot. But um, but you're not you're not you're not an addict anymore. But you are. You, I'm in recovery, yeah, you're in 12 recovery. step recovery. Yeah. And, um, and so I got sober and I immediately went to college. Like I didn't know what to do. And I'm like the black sheep in my family. Everybody else in my family has high level degrees. They're architects, they're teachers, they're pharmacists or, you know, whatever economist. And, um, so I didn't know what else to do. So at the age of 21, I go to college and, um, I knew I liked talking. I liked to, I liked to argue and I was able to obsess about things. And that's what I knew. So my mind went to, okay, I need to go to law school. You know, um, the one thing I didn't, I, or I knew, but I thought I would just be able to overcome is that I'm actually dyslexic too. So like growing up, it was really hard for me to read. Like I've always struggled reading because I was dyslexic. I just, I, I just thought I was dumb. Right. But I didn't know that there was something actually going on. And so, um, so I got, I got into school. I start, I majored in philosophy, which is like the worst thing you want to major in. If you're, if you're dyslexic, cause all you're doing is reading, yeah. comprehending, and then like regurgitating. I took philosophy actually. So I know, I know, I know what you mean exactly. Yeah. And it's, it, it was, uh, it was really, really hard. And so like in college is where like my work ethic started to come into place, right? Is because the same amount of work that took a regular kid, college kid to do mm -hmm. took like three hours. It took me like nine, you know? And so in order to get the A, I needed to put in like three, you know, three times the amount of hard, you know, basically work to comprehend the information and then regurgitate yeah. it. You know what yeah. I mean? Did, so did you graduate? I, I graduated with my associates. I was starting to um, just start studying for the LSATs, like two years, like starting to prep for it. And one of my buddies asked me to come to a summer sales job. And then uh, that's where it was. Knocking doors? No, just on the phone. Oh, okay. So we were selling products on the phone, and um, and I and I was horrible. I I was not good. So the first summer I did it, I actually got fired. You know, they uh, they like gave I, you know it was one of those ten ninety nine jobs, and so I showed up and I worked harder than everybody else. And the owner of the company actually, 
um, like one Monday morning meeting just gave me some cash cause I hadn't made any money in like three weeks, but I was the hardest guy. I was the hardest worker there. And he was like, look, like here you, like I can, you know, appreciate the determ the, de uh, determination of what you're doing. Right. And so started, uh, did that, got fired, went back to school. Right. And at the time I was teaching martial arts and bu busing tables, you know, and, um, and so for my, you know, for me, I was just like, oh, like I just need a I need to finish my degree. Mm -hmm. And um, so then that next summer, my buddy asked me again, he's like, dude, come back this time, come work with me. You can work with me side by side. I'll make sure you make money. So I was like, okay, cool. And that summer I smashed. Yeah. I don't know what clicked. I have no idea what clicked. You had and a I, good mentor. Yeah, I had a good mentor. Mm -hmm. He's my best friend too. And um, I smashed, I, I ended up making more money than I had ever made, you know, and like any other 23, 24 year old kid that ended up making a bunch of money over the summer, I just blew it. You know, I bought a new car, I, yep. you know, I bought all the clothes and the shoes and like had zero idea of what like fight, like what financial responsibility was. Yeah. And, um, so by the time school started again, I was like, well, I can't quit this job because this is an insane amount of money. And, um, so I'm going to go to school and do this. And that lasted for one semester and I stopped. Yeah. Right. Um, and, uh, so I started just doing, you know, random sales jobs and I started excelling really, really high at sales. And, um, one thing led to another. And I think I always kind of had the entrepreneurial mindset and ended up, uh, basically just starting several companies. I own a martial arts school today with one of my best friends. Um, every business I own is like with one of my dearest, dearest friends, right? Like they're family to me, you know? Yeah. And, um, so I own a martial arts school, you know, part owner in like a funding company where we help startups find funding, um, part owner in an IRA company, you know what I mean? And then we do sales consulting as well. And so, nice, um, dude. so all those, uh, different talents and everything growing up with all those challenges. Yeah, I mean? man. Yeah. I, I met, uh, we, we met your, your partner in the martial arts school. Yep. What's his name again? Andrew. <laughs> Andrew. Yeah. So I, so I, I, he might've been talking like on text. Oh really? Um, cause I'm going to, I'm going to get my son over there cause my son was doing jujitsu for like two years and, uh, the UFC gym he was at just right. up and shut down. Like they literally shut down overnight and took all this stuff out. It was so weird. We showed up right. the next day for class. Everybody was there. And they had like the carpet all rolled up, <laughs> like the carpet, like, even the carpet's <laughs> going out of this building. What the hell happened? You know, we were shocked. And so I'm like, where are we going to take this guy? So I took him to Gracie Barra over there on 700 East. Uh, yep. And he was there for like six months. How do you like it? Um, he, he didn't like it. Yeah. yeah he didn't like it. Um, <laughs> he didn't like it. The, the dude, I think I would have liked the gym a lot more if it was for yeah. me. I think maybe the coach was a little too intense. Right. Um, but he was a, the coach was a badass coach. If I was going to hire somebody, it would be him. Right. I, I could connect with that guy's mentality. My son's not that. My son's a little softer. You know yeah. what I mean? He grew up in, you know, today's world, not, not where <laughs> I, not where I grew up. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. So, uh, he, he, he likes it. He liked it. He just didn't love it. And so now we're going to switch him over to your school. You know, I think we're going to go impact probably, probably, yeah, probably this impact next week. Martial yeah. arts, man. Yeah. One of the things was that guy, uh, Andrew told me I could pay him in guacamole. So <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> no, it was because of that yeah. fight. Yeah. That, yeah. that was some yeah. amazing guacamole. Yeah, dude, yeah. So, um, but yeah, man, but, but dude, let, let's talk about a little bit, uh, about your business now, because I mean, you know, we, we, we met you through Justin. Right. Um, and we were really impressed with you, you know, and obviously we love Justin. We had him on the podcast. Um, but he always said a lot of good things about you and uh, some of the stuff you're doing now. And when he did talk about some of the stuff you're doing, doing now, uh, it made me think about, about, 
seven or eight years ago, some of my buddies were doing the same thing, but they were working in the call center. They weren't the owner. Right. And I saw some of the money they were making. And I was pretty damn impressed, right? But as an entrepreneur, I always thought to myself, like, well, I would never work there, but I'd like to own the place. Right. I'd like to learn how, how they do it and, and you know, maybe, uh, maybe open something up like that. So it got me interested in when you told me what you were doing. And uh, it just made me think, like, dude, I want to get to know Arjan a little bit more. You know, I want to find out how he got there, how he built this company. Um, you told me, you know, how, how you guys, you know, do ads and you spend your marketing. Right. And, and uh, when I hear the, the amounts of money that <clears throat> entrepreneurs put in their business, especially if it's like a monthly thing, and we're talking, you know, pretty high up there with five figures sure. plus, uh, it always makes me think, like, they know what they're doing, right? Because right. you don't just get this money handed to you, like... Like you're making money, you're investing money in your business. You must know what you're doing, right? So uh, I, I want to chat with you a little bit about that. Obviously, you have some stuff coming up too. I want to talk yep. about you have the convention coming up, right? Yeah, in Vegas. So I wanted to you know talk about that. Um, but what exactly do you guys do right now? So so you have a couple companies that that, that you invested sure. in, but right now you, your bread and butter is the business that you physically go into the office every day and, sure. and run, right? So so what is that? So it's a company called Unified Wealth, and um, Basically, it, what we're doing is we're uh, showing people how to be entrepreneurs, right? But mm -hmm. we do it via means through an IRA. So self-directed IRA, solo 401k. And a lot of people don't even know they have that option, right? I mean, how many people work for a company right now that um, they have a 401k and then they leave the company, they work there for five years, it has like, let's say $50,000 in it and... They don't really know what to do with mm -hmm. their, you know, their their four hundred one k. So typically, what will happen is a company will um, you can either leave it with the company in a lot of cases, or you have to transfer it to a different brokerage. So basically, what a solo four hundred one k is is for a lot of people who are um, who are self employed, but it gives you the ability to invest into other things, really whatever you want, you know, um, within mean within specific you know parameters. And primarily self-directed IRAs. So let's say you have a current IRA and uh, the brokerage you're working with is investing it into stocks and bonds, right? Regular stuff. But you want to use that money to invest into real estate, right? You get connected with one of you guys and they're like, look, I want to buy five investment properties. Um, I have my own cash, you know, that I can do this with or I can do it within my self-directed IRA. So if I had like $300,000 in a self-directed I could buy rental properties and manage that money myself, like grow it myself, not have to use Fidelity, not have to use TD Ameritrade or whatever these mm -hmm. other companies are that are taking huge rips off of your money, but giving you the ability to do it on your own, right? So, um, and this is huge for a lot of people because I think a lot, a lot of us, we trust our, like our financial wealth and our financial well-being in the hands of like people we don't even know. Yeah, it's true. We have no clue who these yeah. people are and we're just puppets. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're just in the system, you know? And uh, so we're, we're teaching people like, look, roll your money over, have control of your money. Mm -hmm. And um, on top of that, showing them specific methods and avenues people invest their, their money into, whether it's tax liens, real estate, cryptocurrency. Um, you can even buy livestock within a self-directed IRA. You know, um, you can invest into companies like one of the, the stories that we talk about is you guys know who Peter Till is, mm -hmm. right? So Peter Till, the story is, is that he uh, invested into Facebook 
with a self-directed IRA, like you can invest into a company. Now, obviously you can't use that money to live on. It's for, for it to grow at whatever rate it's going to grow at. Mm -hmm. And then for you to be able to retire on, but depending on if it's a Roth or a traditional, it can grow whatever amount you want it to grow. You know what I mean? And giving people the ability to kind of take that control back. And so, so what kind of a client, um, so paint the picture for us, who your average client is. Is it like the everyday average Joe? Is it like uh It's definitely not your average Joe. Okay. okay. It's definitely not. And here, here's the reason why, though. I think your average Joe should be doing it. But the reason why is because investing is a scary thing. True. Right? There, there, There's a huge difference between why people succeed with investing or in business and the reason why people don't. Yeah. And in my opinion, it's all based on fear. Yep. That's you, it. You have to risk it. Yeah. And so your average Joe, though they should be maybe to a degree, they're just not because they're nervous, right? Yeah. They, they trust fidelity more mm -hmm. in a volatile market like the stock market than they would putting it into their own hands. So our, um, our ideal client is people who are either investing or wanting to invest, right? Um, a lot of our clients are currently investing and they didn't even know they had this ability to do that. Right. They have like 50,000 or 200,000 or even 300,000 in a 401k that's locked up with a previous employer. Mm -hmm. They didn't even know. So what they thought in their mind is, oh, I'm just going to keep borrowing against this money. But you can put it, roll it over and have the control. And to the point where what we've created is what we call checkbook control. So it gets to the point where you can literally just write a check for what you're, you know, wow. for what you're doing. Right. And, um, and that's kind of groundbreaking in our industry because a lot of these other self-directed IRA companies, like in order for you to get authorized to do that by the company, it's a fiasco, right? Especially in real estate. You know, you find a good deal. You want to, you know, the deal's got a good cap rate. You know, you can rent it out. You can, you know what I mean? And it takes three weeks to get your money out, but the deal's going to be gone. You know what I mean? So you guys primarily are investing in real estate. Well, we teach our clients that, or that's yeah. what we suggest, right? Yeah. We're not financial advisors, so we're not telling them what to do. Yeah. But um, real estate would be the avenue that I would suggest for myself. Yeah, yeah. You know, what, why is that? Is it because it's a it's a real item? It's a like, it, it, it's real property. It's not going anywhere. It's not just going to disappear off the face of the earth. I mean, it always appreciates. I mean, what's the reason for that? For so. The reason why I like real estate is because um, that th those are like the generic things, right? Majority yeah. of people, when they think about like, why is it real estate? Yeah. It's because they have a tangible asset and that goes back to the fear, right? Like, well, you, you can feel it. Yeah. You know I mean, you own it, you can go over there, feel it, touch it, touch it, it yeah. et cetera. Um, and then you can rent, rent them, rent the property out, collect that money. So I get it. You can actually feel it. Correct. Whereas if you're doing like stocks or anything, you can't really feel it. You kind of just put it out there and you're hoping and praying to make some money. Yeah. So, but both work. Yeah. It just depends on what route you want to go. Yeah. They both work, especially for Alan. <laughs> you, you guys see this guy in stocks. I, I tell him all the time, if you weren't doing real estate, you would be a damn good stockbroker because right. or even a, even a hedge fund manager, because this guy, I don't know how he does it. I think he spends hours like just looking at the market and he'll be, and he'll be like, bro, look at this. And he'll show me his phone. I just made 10 grand in this last hour. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, bro, like, what are you doing right now? The obsession it's is wild. real. Yeah. But yeah. I knew that I had to pick one. I can't be doing yeah. real estate and, you know, be like, be acting as a stock, you know, I mean, stockbroker, for example. But if I were to do anything else in my career, I mean, in my life, other than real estate, I would go that route all day long. Yeah. yeah. But I love real estate too much. Yeah. And I, I like both, you know, I, I'm invested yeah. in both myself, you know. 
Um, I think for new investors, it's probably the easiest thing. Yeah. Real estate is probably the yeah. best thing because it creates the least amount of fear. You know, um, it's just very hard to invest into real estate the same way that you can, uh, you know, downloading Robinhood and putting 300 bucks into Tesla mm-hmm. or whatever, right? It's not as easy. You can't just buy shares of a, of a house. And maybe that's an idea that happens in the future, right? Where, yeah. you know, you, you can buy shares of a specific property or whatever it is. But It's funny that you say that because we were talking about that with a buddy of ours who's got an idea for a brokerage um, and to have that as an option for people, something I would say like a, like a, I guess a, a, a sales uh, tactic to get them to come over, you know, and switch brokerages is that they would have these like uh, massive commercial projects or these like massive development project projects that are residential and they would um, put it in like a fund and they would have these like shares that you could purchase as a real estate agent and start investing your money out of each check and you would own a share of either a property or an HOA or something right. that would help you and, you know, pay dividends, you know, long-term. Um, but it's real estate. It's related. It's but again, that whole idea about having shares is, I think it's very appealing, you know, yeah. especially for somebody who's like a newer agent and they want to get into real estate investing or if they're a brand new investor and they don't have a ton of capital to put up where they can't buy multiple properties or buy an apartment building or a fourplex, they could pick up shares. Well, of it's a, a good way to get, to, to get, to get your foot into the door. I yeah. feel like, because on the beginning, a lot of people don't have the money or the means or they're not able to, for whatever the reason may be, buy a whole property. So if they can get in you know, and own a portion of it, yeah. same thing like, like like with stocks. You know, you start off with a couple of hundred, and then you, and then you work your way up, um, which I feel like that's genius. It is genius. Super smart. Yeah. Well, they're they're talking about trying to do that like within the cryptocurrency space, right? Like like how do you how do you tokenize a specific piece of real estate where people can buy it and then mm-hmm. sell it based on what the value of that is? If that value has increased, you could sell that for. X amount, right? And I don't know the legal aspects of it or, or whatnot, or if it can happen. But that, I mean, it's a great idea, right? But that's typically why people go into stocks more than purchasing real estate. It's just mm-hmm. more accessible, right? Yeah. I can do it with three hundred bucks. You have your exactly. Acorn apps. Well, especially you know. if if you get a free a free app. I mean, a free um, stock with with, with Robinhood. Yeah. Kind of like, well, <laughs> yeah. you sign up to get one for free. Yep. And then I remember, like, I remember Jimmy got one. You're an investor. I remember when Jimmy signed up, he got a, a stock of a Facebook. I'm like, oh, it's kind of cool like, to actually get a valuable stock like that. It was like 200 bucks a share. You got it for free. But I, that's a good way to get your foot into the door. Yeah. And you can easily invest more and more. Yeah, super smart. So when I was told about what you do, I'm happy that you, you, you clarified that for me. Because what I thought of was what my buddies were doing seven years ago, which was like those annoying ass people who call you like those real estate. And then they have the signs on the sides of the freeways, and right. like the, the neighborhoods that say like real estate investor wanted yeah, uh, $10,000 a month work from home. Here's the number you call it. It's like a bullshit voicemail. And then they call you back and then they're trying to pitch you on something. Or some of the guys that have like the Robert Kiyosaki or the Armando Montalongo like yeah. convention or like a free seminar and you come down and neither one of those guys are there and they just collect the leads and they sell them to people and then they're getting hit with this. My buddies were doing that, and they were doing pretty well. Actually, I was like, holy shit, you're making that much money. And like, yeah, we're just up sharing, we were just upselling them constantly and keeping them on our pipeline and this and that. And then, but when you talk about what you're doing, it sounds a little more legitimate, you know? Well, you know, all, all we're trying to do is show people a different avenue. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because, 
I mean, you look at the environment nowadays, and the environment is so entrepreneur heavy. Everybody yeah. wants to be a baller. Yeah. You know, people are over leveraging credit cards just to buy their new Louis belt. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Like everybody wants that, right? I mean, it's a fantasy for everybody, but like, what is the actual path to get there? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like nobody talks about the path. You know, even you watch some of these YouTube videos of, of you know, these high level or like the Grant Cardones or whatnot. It's never, well, what is the path in order for me to get there? Well, I think it starts with making that first in, in investment. And, and going back to the original question, why do I like real estate? It's because, um, so not only because it's tangible, again, that's like kind of the, the generic thing to say, but I believe that real estate is just appreciating really, really fast, yeah. right? So at this point in time, if appreciation were to slow down, my opinion would probably change about it, mm -hmm. right? But I don't know any other investment that I can put my money into and cash on my cash on cash return. So the house that I'm that I'm currently trying to sell, right? My cash on cash return once I sell the house for what I'm asking for is going to be like four hundred percent. Yeah, that's why I don't know anything else I can put my money into and get four hundred percent in what return. a few years or what? In four years. Four years. Four years. Yeah. That's why we talk about it all the time. That's I mean, insane. you can buy some kilos of cocaine. Yeah, <laughs> you can do, go that route. <laughs> you can get a, a lot better than four hundred percent. But it's true though. It when it comes true. down to real estate, like me too, because I, I own properties too, and just watching it go up in value year over mm -hmm. year over year, and especially when once you add in you know the amount of growth we're having here in general, like dude, it's insane. Like it's a no brainer decision. Like if I was showing that at an earlier age, well, fortunately I was because I, I watched my parents, they own condos and they would rent them out and I managed them for, for mm -hmm. them and watching them go up in value. I'm like, holy shit. So once I got my first rental, you know, what, like five, six years ago, um, I was hooked. It's crazy. And the, the, this is the thing about real estate as well is that I think a lot of people believe that it's good to invest in real estate in any area. Yeah. I don't believe that. California is a really hard place. Yeah. You know, Utah just happens to be a good place. Like right, where it's, right now it's insane. Yeah. It is insane. I saw, I think Jonathan's a, a lender that we know, good guy. Uh, Jonathan posted this thing and it was like a joke. Or no, somebody posted it. It was a joke. It was like this beat down shack, right? Mm -hmm. And it said, uh, just listed uh, 350000 or something crazy for the shack. It was a shack. Like. It was a joke, right? It was like a meme. I think so I watched that. that. I, see, I seen that. Yeah, and I saw his comment, and it kind of hit me because the comment he had was, I remember seeing these posts going around in California like 10, 15 years ago. And look at it's changed. It, that's what's happening in Utah. You're seeing yep. these shitholes that are, are <laughs> yep. like, I'm telling you, what, you're seeing these houses that were selling for 100 grand in the early 2000s go for four and 500,000. It is absolutely insane. You're seeing it in these areas where you thought, oh, man, I would never live there. Like, that's where the poor people live. I'm just I'm not being an asshole. I'm just right. being real, right? And uh, uh, and I live there forever, so I'm not, I'm not being an asshole. I live in the poor area, okay? <laughs> no um, judgment. But what I'm saying is you people who, who, who people can't even, get, they can't even get the loans for those properties because you got to make like eighty or 100000 a year to get these loans that are $400,000. And these homes in these areas that you would never think would be four hundred grand are over, over four hundred grand right now. And it's, it's kind of scary when you think about it. Like, where the hell is everybody going to live if they can't afford to get these loans because they can't afford the payment and they don't make the income? You know what I mean? And I think that one of the reasons why the entrepreneur thing is so hot, because it's, really uh, it's really never been publicized like it has been now. Hmm. Recently with Facebook and Instagram and YouTube especially, people putting all this content and showing, oh, sign up to my program and I'll show you how to make six figures in, you know, five months or whatever. Um, but... 
I think that the reason why it's so attractive now is because look at the way everything is a pre everything is, is, is like, I think maybe because money's gone down in value, everything is so fucking expensive right now. What other way are you going to do it? Because you can't do it at McDonald's making minimum wage. Right. You know, you can't do it at Walmart making minimum wage. How the hell are you going to be able to afford to just live right. nowadays? You got to find another way to do it. And that's, I think for now, everyone thinks being an entrepreneur, you're super successful. You know, when they get into it, they find out it's harder than you think. But what other things can you do besides take your own financial, you know, uh, future in your own hands? You know what I mean? Because working for a job is not going to do that for you. You know what I mean? It's, it's fucking crazy. And a degree is a dime a dozen now, yep. right? It used to be like you get your degree and now you're on some pedestal, right? But it's like just to compete, you need a master's, right? Just to be, you know, and I think a lot of these students are, are going into the workspace and um, they have their degree, four-year degree, bachelor's degree. And then what employers are asking for is, well, we need experience. So it's like you're going to work for dog shit for a couple of years so you can get your experience and then go apply somewhere else, you know? Yeah, and all yeah. that time and money that you invested for your degree, you could have put in your own business. Right. And you learn a hell of a lot more. <laughs> you know, we talked about it in the last podcast, this yeah. whole colleges offering entrepreneur classes, which I haven't looked at the curriculum, so I can't say anything about it. But just based on a class that you pay for to become an entrepreneur, I feel like that just doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> it's like an oxymoron. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just doesn't, yeah. For me, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And, and then when you look at the amount of money these people charge for tuition, it's like, what? It's like, dude, just go to a franchise convention, yeah. pick up a $5,000 franchise, learn how to run a business from scratch, right? Get some support from the franchise or the corporation. Learn it that way. You'll save money. You'll learn a lot more. And you might get ahead and make some real money instead of being in debt. You know right. what I mean? And so... I just think right now with the whole entrepreneur name and term being put out there, like it's some awesome thing. I think it's really changed the way that our generation is going to impact the world. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I was at the gym this morning and I was working out and I was looking around at the gym. <clears throat> I don't know why I was thinking this, but I was on the treadmill and I was just looking at the TVs and everything. And I was thinking like, man, it's so funny to think about the world today versus the world when we were little kids and our parents were doing what we're doing now. Right. And like you talked about the school thing, you know, with the whole degrees being like, that's what you got to do. You have to go to school. You have to go to college. Otherwise, you're going to be a loser or you're not going to make any money. And it's like, I feel like that's shifted and people are like, no, drop out of school, <laughs> right? Sign up to some courses, go to some seminars, start investing, learn while you're young and you'll be successful. And I'm like, man, I wonder how it's going to impact the world 20 years from now, that mindset that most younger millennials and Gen Z people are having, like, how is that going to impact the world in 20 years from now? Where's money going to be at? Is it going to be a cryptocurrency or is it not going to be cryptocurrency? Like, I'm really curious to know how people are now, how we've been brought up to think entrepreneurship is cool, how that's going to impact the world 20 years from now. You know what I mean? It's really well, crazy to think about. It is, you know, and here, here's my perspective about school, right? Like, I'm a huge advocate of like higher education. Mm -hmm. But the reason why is because of the social environment. I've never been in an environment like that in my life where you have all these people with one ambition. Like, you know what I mean? It's almost you have to level up because yeah. you're going your your social structure in that environment is what's pushing you. And I like that. You know, I like the social environment. I like the ability to brainstorm. I mean, you know almost every great idea to a degree was created on college campus and then I I, and then a college dropout yeah. because of it yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> the hell out of there <laughs> yeah. their idea and went and did it yeah so i like that environment and i think 
the landscape's just different, man. Like, I think 30, 40 years ago, you could work for a job and for like Boeing and work there for 30 years and they'd retire you on a decent pension that was like 80% of what your in- average income was for the last 30 years and you could be cushiony. Yeah. And I think it's just different now. You know, I like, I don't know anybody getting a pension. No. Right? My dad sure as hell is yeah. it. Yeah, mine either. Yeah. You don't, you don't, you don't really hear it too much now. Yeah. So, well, you got to work for yourself. Yeah. You know, build something on your own. That way, when the time does come that you want to retire, you have that in place. Yeah. Which goes back to real estate, stocks, whatever it might be, invest. Yeah. You know, a, you know, the idea behind that is so frightening for people. Uh-huh. Though. You know, it's just scary. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know why, why do you think people are frightened? Because it's unknown. I think it's because we don't know about it. You know, I, I think that a lot of it is just due to the way we're conditioned mm-hmm. as society, right? People ask you where you work, like, what is your job, mm-hmm. you know, and they assume that your job is that you work for another employer, yep. right? Like, it's almost like, uh, uh, you know, an unsaid thing. You must work for somebody else. You know you what's know? crazy? Now that you say that, I used to feel bad about saying I'm self-employed. Cause then I think before people thought, "Oh, you're you're sit you sit at home and do nothing." <laughs> like, <laughs> That's no. so true. I remember that. Yeah, no. that was kind of how it was. Like, yeah. we were like, oh, I'm self-employed. Like, and for me, I was always doing something different, right? And so it was always like, I'm doing this now, I'm doing that now. And so for me, I always just said, I'm self-employed. And when I said that, I think, well, for me, I believe that people thought of me like, "Oh, he just sits at home and does nothing. Like, he sits on his ass." You know. Now when you say self-employed, like, I think it has a different. You know, I I think people believe something different about it. Well, it sparks up different beliefs about being self-employed. Well, I feel like before it was like a little looked down upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now it's respected. Like, oh, like you actually get validation for it. I think within our generation, it's like that. Because if I tell my grandpa I'm self-employed, oh, yeah. he still thinks that shit, uh-huh. right? He's like, you're sitting around home doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Typical foreign parents, yeah. there you yeah. go. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, which is so wild because it's like, you know, and so going back to your question, yeah. why, why are people so scared of it? It's, I think we're just conditioned that way. You know, yeah. I think we're conditioned to have that fear and, and, and I think it is a lot of risk. And from my perspective, it's like when you're young, that's the best time to take the risk, yes. right? Because if it fails, it's like- You have time to recover. You have time to recover. Have time yeah. to re- we talked about it last time, like you have time to recover, like take the risk right now. I mean, I mean, you, you don't need too much to survive. And I'm not saying you gotta go out there and live on someone's couch like they talk about, right. but-, but but if you have if to, you, you have, have to. to. You have, you, but yeah, yeah you I'm like, can. actually. You know what I mean? Like, you can, you'll, you'll get by. Like, take the risk, take the chance right now. And, and that's so cool to see you. I mean, this age, you're what, 31 right now? I turned 31 next week. 31 years, dude. That's crazy. Like, and even when we were talking, I'm like, I was getting a little glossy eyed because I'm like, wait, the, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> like, you know, it takes some time, but it's like, you, you're an educated guy. You know what I mean? And you put that education to work, and now you got this company, and I mean, you're, you're doing really well. You know what I mean? Like, I think you were here last week or two weeks ago, and I was like, I saw your car, and I was like, bro, what kind of car is that? You know what I mean? <laughs> we don't have to go into it in the podcast. Right. But I'm just like, that's a nice-ass car. Like, that's pretty cool, you know? And, again, he's self-employed. He has his own company. He's built his own company. And you have other investments, which is awesome. But, mm-hmm. again, you're doing exactly what entrepreneurs, I guess, are, are, are working up to do, you know, and have and own and run and be able to have a nice house and a nice car. And for the longest time, especially in the industry I was at, you know, entrepreneurs and self-employed people did their best not to pay taxes. So they really couldn't, they couldn't get those things. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Cause they're always like, I want to take everything home and not pay the government. And so, uh, it was hard for them to have a nice car, hard for them to get approved for a house. 
And it wouldn't be too hard 10 years ago, but right now with everything being so expensive, you know, you got to show everything, you know yeah. what I mean? And and so, uh, again, I feel like everything's kind of changing and, and morphing and shifting where the entrepreneur is kind of like coming out of the, you know. Coming out of the closet. Yeah. Coming out of the closet, you yeah. know, to a certain extent. And and uh, it's it's really cool to see and be able to be in this time for us to witness that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not shamed or like like frowned upon. You know, like it once was. Well, you know, my family, um, the crazy thing is that my family's like filled with entrepreneurs, but they still believe, like I, I was that guy growing up that it was always like, hey, stop doing what you're doing and just go back to school. Just stop, you know, and it, you know, and I hate, you know, I hate corny shit. I hate cliche stuff. Yeah. Right. But it was like that cliche thing, like the naysayers, you uh -huh. know, and I don't even look at it as like naysayers. I just look at it as like look, they're trained to think one way. Yeah. So they're trying to put that onto me. You know yeah. what I mean? And, um, and you just keep pressing forward. But yeah, today, like entrepreneurship is, is huge. I mean, how many people do you know that are working a full-time job and then they go home and they're doing eyelashes or how many people do you yeah. know that go home and they're building stuff and selling it on Etsy? And you know what I mean? Like it's, you know, the technology has allowed us to market ourselves Wild. and do that type of stuff. Wild. Dude, right? everything you just said right now, I, I was having this conversation with my wife last night. Everything you just said, right? We we're online looking at stuff and and uh, hopefully I have an investment opportunity come Monday, Oops. right? With, uh, with, with a company that I'm hoping, I'm hoping right. we can lock something up and she'll probably hear this, but um, Monday she's coming over and it's a cookie company, mm -hmm. kind of like Crumble and stuff like that. But she's uh, she's very passionate about that cookies and everything and technology now has allowed her to put her business out there and start getting, you know, business. Um, but I don't think she's to the point where she's able to support herself financially because she's a little bit behind when it comes to learning the technology stuff. And I know a ton about that. So and we're trying to put some together on Monday where I can come in and show her how to do some stuff, put it out there like a crumble or like a local cookie co or one of these companies that just mm -hmm. came up. Um, cause the profit margin is absolutely insane on cookies. Oh, <laughs> fucking crazy, bro. <laughs> crazy you know right. and, and he, i think it's just not being scared to fail yeah. right i mean when you started i mean it was kind of like how many times did you have to fail before you kind of figured it out and then on top of your parents telling you like okay when are you gonna get a real job now right. <laughs> having to hear that when you're saying that I'm, I'm, you you were telling me that all the time yeah in the past and i'm like i could like it's it's yeah. normal. same exact it's thing normal it's yeah. like especially when, when you have foreign parents it's like hey get a real job go back to school get that I'm like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to. But in the back of your mind, you're like, I should. Right. They're, they're probably right. <laughs> I'm still thinking I should. I'm like, shit, man, was I wrong? Like, is this all a scam? Was I just, did yeah. I just get lucky, you know? But that's just how it works. You know, it's the way that you are conditioned, you know, as a young kid. They don't know what, what they don't know. Yeah. They could be, you know, raising you the right way or the wrong way. But at the end of the day, it's the only way they know. Mm-hmm. And now it comes down to you making that decision for you. How are you going to live your life? And then how are you going to you know, raise your kids when that time comes? You might raise them in the right way or a wrong way. But in your opinion, you're doing the right thing and all you can. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, yeah. it makes complete sense. It's normal, yeah. It yeah. makes complete sense. Yeah, I was lucky. You know, my 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 dad, you know, he, he went away when we were younger. He went away and uh, he came back and, and we have a good relationship now. But um, in the past, he wasn't, you know, there to kind of raise us and, and put that on us like direct us to be a specific specific way or go down a specific path in life. And my mom, she worked so many jobs and worked her ass off. She wasn't there to tell me to go to school, go to college. Half the days I wasn't even going to school. You know what I mean? For me, I was just like, I just want to get my driver's license. You know, we, we were, we were curbing cars as kids, you know, selling cars in the street for, as kids. We started really young, like 15 years old, buying mm -hmm. cars at the public auto auction. 
and uh, I got my start there in, in entrepreneurship with my brother. You know, he was he was good at curbing cars, really good at curbing cars. Um, but uh, I didn't have that. So when you guys talk about that, I'm like, I'm so happy I didn't get that. Where my parents were like putting that guilt on me that I didn't go to school or I wouldn't right. go to college. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So it's it's interesting to hear that from you guys because I hear it from a lot of people that I know who had both parents who were like mm -hmm. they wanted the best for them and the, and for them they thought it was going down the school route and traditional education mm -hmm. route. You know, so I'm like. Nice. I was spared. And this is the thing. Even if you like for a lot of the people that are listening, like if you have a regular job and you go to school and you did that thing, like I don't think that's even necessarily a bad thing. It's no. like, well, now what do you do with your money? What is your relationship with the money you have? Yeah. Right. Like because that's what it really boils down to. You could work a decent job making one hundred and fifty thousand a year for the next 30 years. But what did you do with that money? Yeah. yeah. And that's also not a bad living. No. You know what I mean? That's also not a no. bad living. Yeah. And did you invest the money? Did you you know, did you? like have that entrepreneur mindset with the money you have, because a lot of it boils down to money. I mean, I wouldn't do what I'm doing right now if it wasn't for the money. And I'm assuming you guys wouldn't either, mm -hmm. right? Like that's what I believe is the best way for me to make the most amount of income based on what I believe I'm worth. Right. And, but I think a lot of people where they miss the boat is okay, work your job. You don't need to go be an entrepreneur because we, we need workers. We need people out there yeah. actually working regular jobs and whatnot. But what do you do with your money now? Yeah, it's smart. You know, are you investing it? Are you, you know, what are you doing with it? Because a lot of the times you're just blowing it. I mean, America is filled with consumers. It's all we do. Every, every dude, it's weird things blow my mind, right? Like taking the trash out every Friday and, you know, lugging around these two trash cans. I'm like, holy shit. How much did we consume? And it's usually filled with Amazon boxes and shit. <laughs> I do that same thing. <laughs> you know? In the back of my truck right now, my wife's SUV in the parking lot. Yesterday, I have boxes that were just stuff that we bought from the store in the last two weeks, and it filled the back of my truck, <laughs> like uh, the SUV. And I'm like, wow. And I came here to drop it off in the, in the trash can in yeah. the parking lot because it wouldn't fit in my garbage cans. But it's like shampoo machine and this box and that box and this thing. And, and I'm just like, damn, we consume so much. It is fucking insane. Well, dude, think about it. Even like the stimulus package, right? Like you get 600 bucks in the mail. And the reason why they're doing that is because they want you to go spend that $600 yep, because yeah. it goes to the grocery store. It goes to the mall. It goes, you know what I mean? And like, that's kind of the cycle, you know? And I mean, I like nice shit as much as the next person. I like spending money as much as the next person. Right. But like, there has to be a degree where it's like, okay. And I think a large part of it is just discipline, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I haven't gotten one. Are we supposed to get a stimulus? Does everybody get a stimulus check? I don't know. No matter how much they make? I haven't got one. Yeah, I'm assuming you haven't got one. <laughs> I'm assuming you didn't get one either. <laughs> no, I, I got the first one. There you, you know, go. I got the first one. I don't, I don't even know. Yeah. You know, yeah. but a lot of people are banking on that. Yeah. And and I know people that have told me what they're going to buy with their 1200 bucks. Well, people like, don't even want to work anymore, but yeah. it's like, I'm actually making more money chilling at home. So I don't really want to go back and I'm going to drag it on for as long as I can. Yeah. Oh, I know a lot of people like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, where they're like, oh, I'm doing better on unemployment right now. Then <laughs> I'm like, what? Well, well, the thing is, it's crazy how, like, thin the fabric of everything was. Yeah. Right? Like, just working a job, like, something that was normal. It was, like, it's becoming, it's almost, like, taboo now. Yeah. I remember going back to the office for the first time. It was, like, sh I was, like, shamed. Like, you're going to the office with all these people around oh, you. So it's wild. like, I got to get out of my so house, wild. man. You know? We yeah. had that. Yeah, same we, experience. Yeah, we talked to a guy, I think what Brian, yeah, where he came from. Their brokerage still hasn't opened up or anything like that. Like he's been literally working from home. He's like, I've been losing my mind. He cannot go inside the building. How do you guys think you made it through COVID? Like what what was going on mentally for you guys? Because it crumbled a lot of people's businesses. Uh, 
and it we, crumbled we a lot of built, people. We built our company yeah. with COVID. We doubled man. down. Yeah, yeah. We we came here this new location literally this month in March, first week of March, and then the second week, COVID hit. Yeah, literally the second week, yeah. COVID hit. Yeah, and it was just me and Fernando, one guy, yeah. and, yeah. on our one agent. And while everybody else was out, we doubled down, dude. Yeah, we spent twice as much in marketing. We spent twice as much in advertising. We spent here twice day as much and night. Time. Yeah, mm-hmm. twice. We we knew that in times like these, and there are other people out there like that who are looking for that environment. And we knew that we could create that during this time, and we were able to grow so much just because everyone would come in with a story like Brian, where they're like, "Dude, like my office is shut down. Like I'm losing my mind at home. I need somewhere where I can work." We're like, we're open. Come on in. Just wear your mask. You know, I mean, they told us to wear the mask. We, yeah. we wear the mask. I have respect and I wear the mask. And I got COVID. My whole family got COVID, right? right? And uh, it put me down for about four hours. And so I was a lucky one, right? But after that, what killed me was having to uh, quarantine myself. And I found myself driving. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> driving around the office. Losing his like, mind. Like, like, I want to go in. And I met him outside one day. And I'm like, oh, look at me. I'm perfect. I want to come in and work. But I couldn't, you know? Yeah. But I could see that being, a, a, you know, like detrimental to somebody's business, especially if it's, you know, like, if, and right now you see it in commercial real estate, how many mm-hmm. companies are subleasing their office out because they don't have no more employees there, you know? And so it's like, I know it crumbled a lot of companies. But for us, we just, we didn't watch the news. Of course, we social distance, we wore a mask, we were respectful, but we just didn't let it consume us, you know? And again, we, no one pays us. We have to come to work to get paid. Right. We don't have the unemployment <laughs> option. You know what I mean? We didn't get furloughed. Like we had right. to come to work. And so I think that's what, that's what helped us get through it and not only get through it, but thrive, you know, and, and build our brand and our company. Um, so it's been a blessing on, honestly for us because it killed a lot of really weak agents careers who are not the best and they were kind of fucking clients because of their level of, of uh, commitment to their career mm-hmm. um and so for us it's, it's actually been really well how do you guys think you made it through like the fear process right because like COVID hits and like it was like a frenzy yeah. it exploited every fear you yeah, have i was scared I mean? for a minute i know alan got scared his yeah. parents got it pretty early on and they're older and you know i know that you were worried i couldn't about see them that. for like what two three weeks and it felt Damn. weird man like and they were actually sick like, both of them were extremely sick. Yeah. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Is this COVID thing really that bad? Because at that time, early on, you don't know mm-hmm. how bad it is. You're yeah. like, is it real? Is it not? Is it a hoax? Is it, you know what I mean? Yeah. The whole time you're thinking that. But then you see people that you actually know, they get it, and they get extremely sick. And you're yeah. thinking, okay, well, maybe this thing might be real right. after all. But you still double down. You're like, having said that, I got to put the work in. You know, and that's what we did. I feel like that's when we grew the most to yeah. double down. You know, this is what I would say. And, and Alan and I are both entrepreneurs, right? Um, I think the one thing with entrepreneurs, I, I, I actually know that it's a, this is a strength that I feel like the best entrepreneurs have. And it's even if they're not totally fearless, they understand the fear and then they do it anyways. Mm. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. and so for us, it was that, like, we really, we always thought about that, like, you know, so true. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. who gives a fuck? Like, okay, well, whatever's going to happen is going to happen regardless. We still got to come in and pursue our passion and our dream and build our business and and not let anything slow us down, you know. And if it was even 10 times worse, you know, we'd still be in the same position if we didn't get, you know, if we didn't get fucked from it. But um, we'd still be in the same position because we have that mentality. You know, I talk about it all the time. Like, you know, for me, for myself, I consider myself pretty fearless, mm-hmm. you know. And, and even when I am scared, I do it anyways. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think that's how you get through it, you know, but I do know a lot of people who've 
got hit pretty hard and right. they've lost a lot of money and they lost employees and my brother was one of them you know he has a transportation company and the whole transportation space got shut down no like it was bad like especially yeah. when the flights and stuff weren't, weren't going on yeah. like he makes a lot of money from picking up people from the airport and he has you know that and then conventions he does a lot of big conventions and there was no more conventions and he got hit really hard and i think he got the ppp loan you know for a minute mm -hmm. there and um they had like six months where they were just living on all their savings and that, that got challenging you know what i mean so watching him struggle and he's fearless as well but that was something that was out of his control yeah you know what i mean they, they literally shut down everything that helped him make money so i do feel for those people who are still dealing with that it's hard man it like that was that that was such an insane time you know yeah. i think the only thing that got me through it is i like you know you were saying like i, I just had to stop watching the news i had yeah. to stop consuming fear yeah you know what i mean because the more i consumed of it the more paranoid i got the more like weird i got and my mindset was you know what i mean now you're at home watching movies like contagion and then you're like oh, perpetuating shit. the process you know what i mean that's true <laughs> you Dude, know like, i did I watch that stop. movie during the pandemic like when it was hitting and i was like what if this is like that like right. oh shit it's you like going I mean? to a haunted house like you go there to get the shit scared out of you yeah. and, and that's what like covid was like like every movie everything you're watching is like perpetuating the fear and it got to the point where i was like I need I need to like watch a regular like let's watch a sitcom yeah. let's not watch anything that has to do yeah. with the pandemic yeah you know and just to stay sane i feel like yeah like, i couldn't even watch tv yeah like at all you know and i haven't i don't watch tv anyway but <clears throat> in general i feel like everybody you talk to they're like hey did you see that on tv here's what happened here's what happened and i'm like uh that's scary as shit yeah you know <laughs> and i can understand that's all they talk about and all they you know focus on um so yeah like you want to be informed but don't let it consume you though the way i look at it and i think for a lot of sales people because i'm just a sales guy that's all i am Right. Like, I don't even consider myself an entrepreneur. I'm a sales guy. It just made me master my craft. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, like, selling people in a pandemic was much harder than it regularly oh, yeah. was. Oh, yeah. You know, like, you had to kind of dig into it. And um, and that was the coolest part. I think the coolest thing I got out of it was was kind of beaten on your craft. Because you had no other, no other option. Yeah. Like, how do you convince somebody to do something in a pandemic when everybody's scared to go to the grocery store? Yeah. You know, and I feel like it gave you time to, like, like you mentioned, master your craft. Like, for example, if you're calling a lead or whatever it might be, let's say it takes you five, 10 calls to get somebody out there. Now it might take you 10, 20, or 30, but you're mastering it. And it's mm -hmm. like repetition is the, is the mother of skill. The mother of what? Repetition is the mother of skill. However, that goes. It goes right. Yeah. Whatever. I, I, get, I get the sentiment. I forget, yeah. But you get my point, yeah. though. But just doing it over and over and over, over again, I feel like that helped people master their craft. So you guys are, you know, super successful. Obviously, what you do is is sales, right? Like yeah. you're you're maybe a different form of sales or whatever. But you know, this is a common question I ask a lot of salespeople: is like, what do you think sales is? You know what I mean? Because you read all these sales books, and you get you know uh -huh. all these people who believe they're ma like these master salespeople. But I, more recently, I've kind of taken a step back, and I've been like, okay, so what is the sales process? What what is it that you're doing when you're selling? I, mean, I, I think it's you it's, know it's like. It's the art of, it's the art of convincing someone to believe you, like and trust you. Right. You know what I mean. Like it's it's somewhere along those lines. Mm -hmm. you know, where you're, you, the better you are having somebody uh, trust you and right. believe you, and and, and I, I think that's what makes a, a master salesperson. You know, because for me. And a lot of people, they look at salespeople like greasy fucking slime. Oh, balls. every time. You know what I mean? I still look at them like that. Yeah. I'm one of yeah. them. I'm like, yeah. you degenerate. Yeah. <laughs> you, know I mean? you see what I'm saying? And so, and so, I mean, I think that, well, 
I actually know that because I witnessed right. it and, I, and I've done it in the past is if you can get people to believe you and trust you and love you, you know, I think that's what makes it a great salesperson. You know what I mean? And then, and then at that point, you don't really have to sell anything. Yeah, you're right? not really selling and anything. And the product will sell itself. You're there to guide them throughout the whole process is the way that, that I look at it. Yeah. You're, not, you're not over here going, hey, you have to buy that. You have right. to buy that. Hey, your job is to guide them and inform them. And then at that point, it's their decision to buy, you know, what, whatever it is they're buying. But it's up to you to explain all that. Yeah. See, the way I look at it is really similar. Like, I think really high-level salespeople are master communicators. Yes, yeah. exactly. That's all they are. Yep. You know, they're, they're very, very good at communicating. Like, listening is so key, yeah. right? Like, they're listening. Mm -hmm. They're very, like, intuitive listeners. You know, they pick up on all the cues. They pick up on what clients say, you know, what they, the prospect is saying. And above everything else, man, I think they're kind of like therapists, to be honest with yeah. you, right? Like, I think the best salesperson I've ever met is my shrink. You know, and I see her like every other week just for like performance and like getting my mind right. Yeah. And she is brilliant because she never tells me what to do or how to do it. She takes me down a sales process. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's she like, listens. And she listens. Listens the whole time. Yeah. 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 Alan started seeing my coach just recently. And uh, for me, she's been a, a huge, I mean, she's left a, a huge impact in my life, on a, you know, positively. Sure. Um, but she took me out of a lot of dark places, you know what I mean, that enhanced my sales skills. Yeah. Like things that were holding me back, you know, I wasn't trusting myself to a certain extent and how the hell would I expect somebody to trust me, you know what I mean? And so we, we broke down those walls and again, it was just her listening. And then what she did that was really powerful was she would listen, write everything down that I, that I would say during my bullshit conversation mm -hmm. with her and then she would repeat them back to me. And I'm like, wait, I said that? Like, that came out of my <laughs> yeah. mouth? You can figure out how stupid you sound. <laughs> yes. You're like, what yes. the hell And then is you're going like, on? whoa, you get like this, this huge dose of self-realization. And uh, that, I feel like, has completely changed my life. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and it's, it's enabled me to be a better communicator, you know, and to listen to people. And, and not only listen, but like feel them and hear them. You know what right. I mean? Like, listening is different than hearing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you really hear that person. And uh, being able to read body language, you know, all these things, I feel like they're skills that you develop over time and it only comes with the art of communicating, you know, yeah. learning how to communicate effectively. Which is so wild because like you think of a salesperson, you're like, oh, somebody with a silver tongue, but it's really like the person with the silver ear, you True. know, like really mm -hmm. that's what it is, right? The, the more superior salesperson is going to listen more, uh, listen more, listen more specifically. And then, then, you know, the client's yeah. telling you what to do to sell them. Yeah. You know, if you're listening, they'll tell you how to sell them. Yeah. You know? We used to do, I used to do door to door sales, you know, when I was younger. I didn't do it for too long. I did it for summer. And we were selling these like happenings booklets. It was kind of like the booklets you get at school when you're in elementary right. and you try to sell it to your parents. And it's like coupon book full of like free bullshit. And uh, we would sell those door to door and they were so hard to sell, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> you didn't make a lot of money. I had like, dude, you have to be a master salesperson to sell those damn books because yeah. you have literally two seconds. They either open the door and slam it in your face. You can't even get your, you know, your name out and introduce yourself. And I mean, you're you're kind of you're in the, you're in their territory, you're in their property. You know what I mean? So it's like they have the upper hand. They can just tell you to get the fuck out of their yard. Yeah. And so uh, we did that. And when I was doing that, I learned that holy shit, you have to be so good at communicating in order to convince them to trust you to buy this book in that short amount of time in such a like uh, intense situation when you're like showing up their house at dinner time right. and they're like who the fuck are you what are you doing in my yard you know um and dude it was it was challenging but i learned back then like man the art of communication the art of speaking 
and listening is so important when it comes to selling. Like that is the number one thing. And I feel like I got a good upper hand because I was a barber for so long. And that's all you do is you're communicating with clients all day. Yeah. You know, and you are like their therapist to a certain extent. So I feel like that helped me a lot, you know, in shaping who I am today. Well, I mean, everybody's a salesperson. Think about it. Like the environment today, we were talking about it earlier. Everybody's selling themselves. That's all social media is to me. You know, you're, you're constantly selling yourself or what you want somebody to believe you are. Yeah. You know what I mean? <clears throat> From the teacher to the person that's like the most with, most with, uh, withdrawn, like everybody's selling themselves to a degree. And the reason the reality is, though, they got to be heard. Yeah. Because if you're not selling yourself, then nobody knows who the hell you are, especially in today's age, you know, social media. If you're not on there, you don't exist. Alan is getting so good at this shit. I got to tell I'm proud of you, bro. I got to tell you that. Alan posted a video that he made. <laughs> Alan, your acting skills are pretty good. <laughs> I just got to say. <laughs> working so, on it. Working yeah. on it. So Alan is uh, is having a baby, right? Yeah. Congrats. <laughs> I forgot this was there. Uh, but Alan's having a baby, and uh, he's like, how am I going to announce this to the world, you know? Typically, people put, like, the photo of the baby right. picture and, you know, in the womb and all that stuff. Uh, Alan went a step further, and him and his girlfriend, they put together this... Uh, like video yeah. of the pitch of how she told you and stuff like that. And uh, it was pretty cool. It was very creative and very nicely done, right? Nice. And so I was just thinking to myself, like, what, how cool is that to go above and beyond? You know what I mean? Like letting people know um, to go as far as making a video like that. That's pretty high production, I thought. It wasn't like shot with a cell phone camera. You know what I mean? Um, but I saw that and I was like, damn, he's came, he's come a long way. Because back in the day when I was like, bro, here's the vision. Here's the plan. This is what we're going to do. Alan was so, he was so lost when it came to social media and advertising and marketing and putting yourself out there and selling yourself online because he, he always did very well not even having to worry about social media, right. right? He was always so good at doing real estate without even dealing with social media. I think your account probably had just a few posts and they were all like six months apart. Yeah, I never <laughs> posted. Yeah, yeah. I barely got active on social media, what, like two years ago, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah roughly around then. But, yeah, my whole career, I never wanted to post. And, yeah, I was doing good. I was killing it, successful. But in my mind, I thought, I'm like, I don't want to make it look like, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. You know, that was my mentality when actually it's the complete opposite because it's like, hey, here, I like here you want to share with the world that you're killing it. That way you can motivate them to be killing it as well. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I love oh, it. Yeah. You're not on social media right now? I'm not. Yeah. Two years two years and it was poison for me right yeah. like it was you know in what i do i don't need to market myself yeah. you know what i mean and yeah. and so it wasn't instrumental to what i was doing and all like here's the unintended consequence of social media right is like the constant like i was consumed i was the number one consumer yeah. right i was constantly on it i was constantly looking at other people and I was constantly comparing myself to other people like people that i don't even fucking know right like i'm just like oh that guy's doing better than me Right. Or whatever. Right. And it was just like poison for me. So I, I, uh, one day I was just like, dude, I'm fucking done with this. I'm out, you know? And so I disabled all my social media and, um, and it's been, it's been cool. Right. Yeah. I mean, every, you hear people talk about that and they're like, it's so fucking freeing. And it's yeah. like, dude, I mean, it's just, oh, right, it is. When my you know, phone dies, I get a little glimpse of that. Right. When it's dead and I don't have <laughs> access to a charger. I'm like, oh, I feel like I don't have to drag this around. I can leave it in my car because it's dead. I have an excuse. Right. Like that is, it is freeing to a certain extent, yeah. you know what I mean? And you know, what's funny is what you just said a minute ago, a second ago, you said, 
I don't need social media in my business. I think that the next level for you is going to require social media. Probably. Yeah, I think it is. I Probably. think that you starting to self-promote your name, you know what I mean? Right. Um, it's going to be a necessity here pretty soon. I would probably agree with you guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? And for, and it's same same mentality you have. Exactly. Yeah. Like even when I was active on social media, everything was like six months apart. It was typically like something super whack. Yep. You know what I mean? Like a pair of shoes or it's uh, something stupid. You know what I mean? And yeah. it was never um, it was never something I like invested into. Yeah. I feel, I feel like as long as you have oh um, as long as you have that schedule, you know your limit. You know, you don't want to hop online and just be on there going through, you know, down that rabbit hole all day long. Right. There's a lot of people that we know who just hop online. They watch funny videos all day long. <laughs> like, I'm literally the type that will go on, post what I have to do, and I'm off. Right. You know, and then, like, right now, like, for example, I won't go online until probably till tonight. I'll, I'll view a few things respond back, but that'll be it. I know that right now throughout the day, like, I have no interest at all. Whether I'm getting comment or a message or anything, I don't really care about it. But I know for... Our business, we have to. Right. Yeah. Well, here's the cool thing about social media, right? You you look at the unintended consequence of like the negative stuff, but then you have like all the positive stuff as well, right? Like it's forcing people to be creative. You and what you did about, you know, how you wanted to announce that you guys were having a baby is an extremely creative process, right? Where 10, 15, 20 years ago, nobody was forced to be creative. Right. And to the point where people are editing their own stuff, they're learning how to, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like yep. the creative juices are flowing so much in society right now. It's insane. Yeah. It's, it's impressive because it's, you know, who would have, who would have thought that you'd have to, you know, you'd constantly be in this creative mindset. Yeah. You well, know? Look, look at where we're at. Your kids are how old? I just had my first, first son. Yeah. yeah like, okay. like eight weeks ago. Okay. And then, so my kids, I have a 10 year old boy. I have a five year old girl two-year-old girl and I don't have any teenagers right I don't have any teenagers but there is that teenage Gen Z area you know uh, Daniel our videographer very creative extremely talented he's uh, somebody who's in that area he just turned 21 or 22 right Um, he's not very old but I think like how the hell are are we as (laughs) business developers owners entrepreneurs right how are we going to communicate with this generation going forward. And it is unfortunately going to have to be through oh. social media. Yeah. yeah. You know, like my son's funny. Like, like, I mean, my son's hilarious because he'll catch me on social media. He'll catch me on my phone, whether I'm working or not, he'll catch me and always <laughs> call me out. Right. And, uh, he's super special when it comes to that. Cause he's not hooked. Right. And I hope he doesn't get hooked, but he has a phone. He has an iPhone. He doesn't have social media, but he has a YouTube channel and stuff like that. Um, but if I'm not listening to him or if, if maybe he says something and I don't, I don't hear him, he'll text me <laughs> right in front of me <laughs> and I'm like, Oh shit. Okay. And, and I'm like, Whoa, like, you know what? It's kind of sad to a certain extent because this is kind of how it's going to have to be. Like it's people are probably experiencing it right now yeah. where they're not able to connect with their kids because their kids are not very good at verbalizing and communicating face to face, you know, because they're constantly on the phone. They're constantly on yeah. the screen. They're going to have to listen and hear and communicate through text and, and social media and stuff like that. So for us to get our point across, you have to be there. Yeah, you, know you do. I mean? You're going to have to be there. And starting now You have no key. option. Yeah. You, like you're for, I mean, look at my, my, my dad's a prime example of this, right? Like he's always on social media, you know, 
Always, you know, and um, mine too, nonstop, nonstop. Yeah, your dad, your dad's always. And they like always like his stuff too. <laughs> and like Telegram groups, he's in like odd Telegram groups of like whatever his interests yep. are, and it's like it's it's so interesting. But at the same time, it's like you're right. Like you either have to evolve or you die. You fall behind. Yeah, you fall behind, yeah. right? Like you either change or you die miserable, type of thing, yep. right? And so, yeah. you know, it's, you have, and for me, I have, for, at the time I, I just had to stop. I was like, I just need to focus like, uh, you know, and that's when the business was starting to get going, you know? And so I had just, but every, all the marketing we do is online, yeah. social media. So let's go to the business for a second. So you okay. guys have an event coming up. We do. And it's going to be like a convention. Yep. And in it, Vegas. Where's it, where it at in Vegas? Um, it's well, because of COVID the dates are a little bit all over the place, but we're thinking at the beginning of June. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's the beginning of June, and um, this is the first one we're doing. And um, the idea isn't to like sell anybody or anything like that, but the idea is just to kind of bring bring the people we want together mm-hmm. in one area, right? And and kind of talk, do what we're doing right now. Talk about specific ideas. Talk about the markets. Where are people investing? Why are they investing? And that type of stuff. And um, which is, which is actually really really cool. You know, really to clarify cool. though, like you can bounce you know ideas off of each other. What are you working on? What am I working on? What are they working on? And be able to brainstorm and you know help everyone out. Yeah, yep. especially in person. Like that's pretty cool. You guys knew it's a live event, right? In it's a live event. Yeah, we're hoping to have close to a hundred people there. Hundred okay. people in attending. And um, all of them are our clients, and um, we're planning on introducing a couple. We've created a couple cool, really cool partnerships with a couple. You know, one is a mortgage company. Um, uh, created a couple other partnerships as well, and we're bringing them down just to educate people, right? And just to talk about like whatever their craft is, you know, and and get their names out and and kind of just network and do those things. And obviously, they're our clients, so only our mm-hmm. clients will be showing up, and then we'll have whoever we choose to invite and. Um, and we think it's going to be, uh, you know, something that we want to do like biannually, you know, do it a couple times a year, hopefully fill up a, you know, uh, a stadium at one point, you know, yeah. and, um, and, and not make it a sales event, you know, cause I think a lot of the times you show up to those things mm-hmm. and it's like, everybody's pitching their product, but it's like, no, like I'm, I'm showing up to like almost like a Ted talks. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's kind of what I'm envisioning. And, uh, so we're in the process of building it out and, um, we're in the process of building out our own fund. You know, where, you know, you were talking about doing a fund and, and investing into commercial real estate and, and, and that's kind of the next layer of it. And um, and we're just excited, man, you know, going for broke type of mentality and just why not go for it? Exactly. You why know, not? We What's talk the worst about that, that could happen? Yeah. We talk about that. You know, Alan and I, I'm like, if we could start something small, you know, and I've been to one of these before, like here in Salt Lake. Um, and it was a uh, um, lead generation it, it, right. it, was, it, it was like a Facebook marketing specific lead generation educational seminar. And uh, they did it here downtown at the, um, what's the skating rink called? The Galvin. The Galvin, Galvin Center. So they did the Galvin Center. And there's probably 30, 40 people there. And it was just a guy and, and, and this girl, younger kids. Obviously, they're younger. They're smarter with social media. Um, and they just talked about what to do, what not to do, how to post, how not to post, what will hurt you, what will help you gain, you know, traction with the algorithm. Uh, on Facebook and Instagram and they were talking, they were dropping some knowledge bombs and I was like, this is so educational. And for my business, it was cause we were in lead generation. We were yeah. targeting students to come to the school. And so uh, we went there and I was like, Oh my God, like how valuable is this? You know, and they made one crucial mistake and I knew they were, I knew they were, they were newbies at this because they didn't even 
get, get any leads from us. Yeah. Like they pretty much gave all this valuable information out and then serve lunch and then said goodbye. And I'm like, you guys are going to pass around something to put our names in. Like this was so crazy, but it was valuable and it made an impact. And I learned a lot, but I was never able to connect with them again. Cause I wanted to talk to them about doing mm -hmm. some growth or something on, on, yeah. on my Instagram and, and Facebook and nothing ever happened. But I'm like, man, I love that idea of somewhere where they're not selling you. They're just adding a ton of value and getting you thinking and educating you. Um, but still, I feel like obviously for the networking aspect, and that let's, right there, let's, the let's give some information, the, you know, some some names away. The and perfect phone form of sales, right there. Yeah, you're not selling anything. You're just you're communicating, yeah. just communicating and yeah. providing value. Yeah, you get the nail yeah. right in the head, right there. Yeah, yeah. So that, that that's a good idea. That's a really good idea. Yeah, we're we're super excited. And, you know, it's going to be. We're hoping. So what we're shooting for is June. And what we're hoping is that people will be incentivized to come, right? It's like you've been locked up in your house mm -hmm. for the last year. Like, get out and network. Like, it's time to get back to, to life again. Yeah. You know? Where are you guys going to do it at in, in Vegas? In Ve we're doing it at the M Hotel. So I love that place. That's, the, yeah. like, the last casino before you go towards Prim, Nevada, right? Yeah, yep. It's, like, it's kind of secluded away yep. from the Strip. We um, wanted something a little bit more secluded, something that uh, wasn't, like, in the middle of the Strip and, you know, something that was accessible. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and we think it's going to be a good event. You know, we'll, we'll do this one. We'll see how well it goes. And then we're going to do hopefully the next one towards the end of the year. And, um, and we're excited, man. Nice. You know, and is this something that Alan and I could go to? Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I can get you guys a slot. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, and, and, um, you know, if you guys are looking to expand in that, I mean, Vegas has got a great real estate market. Yeah. yeah. We've, we've been, you know? we've been actually prospecting over there, you know, looking at some space and looking yeah. at starting a, um, a brokerage over there. Uh, here pretty soon. Um, the first thought was St. George. You know, we've been dabbling with St. Sure. George a little bit and then moving into Las Vegas. And that's where I'm from, I'm from actually. So I got a lot of connections over there. Oh, really? Yeah, a lot of contacts, a lot of connections. Um, and I love Vegas. That's my home city. Yeah, it's a fun you place. Know? Yeah, it's, I love <laughs> Vegas, right? Um, but it's, it's very similar to, the, like, the real estate is very similar to Utah. Oh, yeah, know? for sure. Yeah, I was really similar. Only like a few thousand dollars off when it comes to the houses. Um, but dude, that's, that, that's amazing. That's exciting. Yeah. yeah. We're super excited and we're ex excited about our fund. Like there's a lot of good stuff coming, you know, and, and like you said, it's like, why not? Why not just try it? And if it fails, yeah, do it again. You have nothing to lose and everything yeah. to gain. And, and I think, you know, and a lot of it is just, uh, you know, part of the reason why I think we've been able to do so good is, you know, my team. You know, we got a really, really good team of people that are working really, really hard at all times. Like, I don't ever, you know, you know, I was actually talking to one of my, uh, somebody I work with, uh, and um, and what we were talking about is that the culture demands it, right? It's not me demanding it or this person demanding mm -hmm. it. Like, the culture demands it, right? And um, for me, it's all about work ethic. Like, I know without a shadow of a doubt, like, it's, and it seems so generic and so odd, but... I don't really have a, a doubt in my mind that whatever it is that's in front of me or whatever business idea or fitness or whatever it is, like as long as I put enough hours into it, it's obtainable. Mm -hmm. Like it, there, there's a, there, in my mind, there's like a calculation to yeah. it. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. And it's just putting that time into it. And I think a lot of the times where people get, you know, a little bit discouraged by it is that, okay, well, what do I have to sacrifice to put the time in, you know, yeah. to, to put the time in? Right. What is it that I'm sacrificing? Is it uh, time with my friends or my parents or my loved ones or or time at the gym or my entertainment or my vacation time? What am I sacrificing? And are those things more important than something that may or may not be something one day? Yeah. Yep. You know, yeah. but, but you never know until you try. Yeah. 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 And, and for people like us, it's that's it, that's the obvious choice is to go down that route. You yeah. Know? 
and not pick the safety and security. Well, it, keep, it keeps it interesting, I feel like, because it's a new challenge every day. And you're not just settling, you know, for what you know. You always want to get to that next level and keep growing and growing and growing. Um, and then eventually, you know, you're building a company. You get bored. You want to build another one. You build, you know what I mean, like you're yeah. constantly just growing and evolving is the way I look at it. Well, you're not, you know, for you in specific, like you guys aren't ever off the clock. Like we were watching the fights, what, a couple weeks ago and Alan oh, showed Alan's up with right his longer. laptop and he's, <laughs> <laughs> you he's know, it's like 10 my... o'clock at night. We're watching, yeah. you know. Well, yeah. no, because on my on our way out, I was ho- I was hoping to have that offer. I think that was uh, the football game, right? No, it was the Israel Adesanya fight. Oh, the fight, yeah. yeah. And as we're walking out, I was hoping to have that deal. I mean, that offer sent over, but my client, you know, kept uh, took a little longer longer to get back to me. We're trying to put the deal together, and I'm like, man, I'm gonna be late to the fight. And then I leave. I'm driving there. I actually, I'm about to on my way out, and I'm like. Now they want to make an offer, but I'm already like out the door. So I get my computer, bring it all with me. First thing I do is I walk into the door. I'm like, "Hey, how's it going? Good, good." Yeah. Go go to go to the little table, write up the offer. All right, offers out. We're good. Party time right now. Yeah. It yeah, was like right. ten o'clock at night. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, but but that's the stuff that's inspiring, right? It's not like. You know, because how many people do you know that have like all the talent in the world, but their work work ethic just sucks ass? Yeah. They just will not do it. Yeah. Like they could be, they could be somebody way better than I am. They they are way better than me, but like they just won't put in the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, we have that. Uh, we have that around us sometimes. Alan and I. <laughs> you know what I mean? You We're know, like I can't believe like they're they're capable of doing this on their own. They're capable of you know like attaining the same things that Alan has in the past when it comes to real estate. And for some reason, they're still following a leader because they don't have that work ethic. They need somebody to tell them to get up. They need somebody to tell them to make their calls. They need somebody to push them to go out there and, and sell real estate or whatever it is that they're doing because they just don't have that 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 self-motivation and that, that work ethic to get up and do it without having somebody yell at them or tell right. them, dude, get the fuck up and go work. You know, and I know, I know a lot of people like that. And it's sad, but... You know, this is the world we live in, you know, yeah. and fortunately for people like us, you know, if we have the work ethic and we have the creativity and the leadership skills, we can get those guys to, you know, put in some work. Dude, the work ethic is the biggest thing for me. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, you look at something like being dyslexic and not being able to read. Like what I learned from that was work ethic. Like I had trained myself to mm-hmm. work harder because I didn't want to look like a fucking idiot in school when I had to read the book. So I like, I remember in the fourth grade, you know, you know, used to be like, you'd all get in a circle and each person would read a, a paragraph, a paragraph yeah, yeah. right? So I'd count how many people were in front of me and then I'd <laughs> preemptively. A lot of, I did that you know? too. A lot of kids did that. And I would pre, I would read that thing and almost memorize it. And if I was like one paragraph, paragraph off, I was like, I'm fucked. Yeah. You yep. know, like I, I, I you know, this is going to be, you know, a hellhole. And so I started learning that, okay, I need to read the entire page just in case that happens. And so, you know, it was, you know, it taught me work ethic and, and that's all it is for me. It wasn't that I was smarter than people. It wasn't that I was a better salespeople. I was probably like a mid-level sales guy. I don't think I'm the best sales guy. I just think I worked harder than people. I was willing to do what others were not. Yep. I was willing to stay later. I was willing to show up every single day. I was willing to create a routine. I was willing to spend the time. You know, it was like, and I think a lot of the time when you think about work ethic, a lot of people believe it's like the nonstop stuff, right? But I think it's like the small things that create good work yep. ethic, right? It's like putting your phone away for a second when you're at the office and it's like, okay, like not procrastinating, you know, and I'm the biggest procrastinator. Like if you email me, like 
don't get a response for a week. You know what I mean? Type of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's the procrastinating that, that I need to like dial in. Right. The thing that I'm dealing with now is the gas tank, you know, cause I've been going this hard for like four years. And so now I'm like, does burning out even exist? Cause I know it does now yeah. cause I'm getting a little bit burnt out, mm-hmm. but it's like, how do you refuel that? And I don't really know. I'll tell you, we talked about last, the last podcast is that testosterone. <laughs> that's what'll keep you going right i that kept him going i swear to god no i swear to god and we talked about it with justin you know nutrition is a big part of that mm-hmm. like you have to be able to fuel your body and your mind with the right supplements and the right yeah. food and and to keep it going and obviously you know you're sober right now so you're not smoking and drinking and yeah. doing all this bullshit uh that i do feel I, I mean i do feel like that you know takes a lot of energy away from you um and it puts you in a position where your mind and your brain and your uh uh, cognition is compromised. You know, yeah. it could be days and days after one one night of partying, right? And if that's part of your habit and you're doing it on a weekly basis, you're probably not good until Tuesday or Thursday or Tuesday or Wednesday, yeah. you know, when you partied on Saturday. So for me, I feel like that's a big part of it. That's why I don't party. You know, I used mm-hmm. to when I was a kid and, and I don't anymore. You know, I barely, barely drink, you know, and uh, I feel like that's helped me a lot. Um, but burning out is something that I feel like, especially in our age, you know, our testosterone starts going down right. and that's, that's a real thing. And that's why I have Justin, you know, so I can talk to him. I do my blood work with him. Right. Uh, and that just kind of keeps you going, you know, and for me, it's more cognitive focus because I have ADHD so bad. <laughs> I feel like most entrepreneurs do <laughs> yeah. it's so bad. Right. Um, and the focus, I feel like that has helped me. The yeah. nutrition part has helped me, you know, what, what foods to eat, when to eat them. You know, cutting out the sugar, stuff like that. That's really been a big part of what I feel like has helped me with, you know, with, with our business and yeah. our success is just being able to fuel my body and my brain with the right stuff, you know. So I think that burnout does exist. I think that stress can contribute to it. You know, Alan, oh, yeah. he's having a baby, and I know that he's got new stresses coming up, and I talked to you about it the other day, and it's like I do feel like those stresses are really important for you if you look at them that way because they can really prime and callous your mind to take on really, really big amounts of stress, yeah. right? And so I do feel like it, there, there's, there's a good side of it too, you know, flip side of the coin. No, I agree. You know, I think a lot of, you know, I have an eight-week-old, so there's, you know, it's nothing but pressure right now. Yeah. That's, it, but it's something I'm creating in my own mind. Oh, but yeah. I, but I agree with you. It's like if you want, you know, I, like it doesn't stop at work, right? Because if I go to bed late or if I'm watching a, a Netflix series till 2 a.m. and I have to wake up at this time, uh-huh. like I think it's this compounding effect even to the point where, um, uh, you know, I'm reading this book where they're talking about, you know, a lot of high-level entrepreneurs and, and, and CEOs, they simplify other things in their life so they can exert like more brain power to whatever it is that they're yeah. doing, right? Like wearing the same clothes there we go. Yep. and um, eating the same things and not having to worry about cooking. And it's like, how do you simplify your life, you know? And and having a newborn, that's exactly where I'm at. Is like, what yeah. is the simplest, easiest way to do all these tasks that I need to at home, you know? And then now I'm impl- applying that at work, you know? It's like, what is the simplest, easiest way and a lot of the times, you know, because of the stress, like I'm learning more recently, like I just got to get up and get the fuck out of the office. Like I just have to walk out before I snap, you know, and um, and decompressing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think, you know, us as human beings, we're kind of like this, uh, like we're almost like a propane tank. Right. And it's like you can only build up so much pressure in it before like you combust. Right. Yeah. So it's like, what are you doing to release that? that pressure valve? Yeah. And I think it's different for everybody going to the gym or whatever. And majority of it has to be stuff that 
adds to your 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 personal health, right? It mm-hmm. can't be going out and getting fucked up because oh. that's just gonna, gonna make more. it worse. Yeah. yeah, that's like a part of procrastination. I feel like that'll procrastinate certain things. Like I don't want to deal with this today. I'm just gonna get <clears> fucked up today. I'll deal with it right. tomorrow. You know what I mean? And I, I do feel like a lot of addicts have that. I have a lot of friends who have that same thing, and I've right. watched them decline. And they've been multimillionaires, and I've watched them decline just because of that. They're trying to avoid some stuff. They're procrastinating important things that they don't want to do. And then they end up using drugs and that just pushes it out and prolongs the problem. You know what I mean? And um, no, but that, that's really important. You know, I'm glad you hit on that. Like, yeah, go, going uh, back to that, like for me personally, it's uh, running. I think I mentioned it before uh, too. But yeah. like, if I don't run for like a week or two, for example, I can feel my energy and everything, just my performance at work and everything just going downhill. Yeah. Right when I start running, like, I feel more energetic. I actually want to work. Um, so I, knowing myself, I need to keep running. Yeah. That's a uh, meditation, man. These are all forms of meditation. They are. You know what I mean? Running. Well, it, it, gives, it gives you time just to clear your mind. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a lot, you know, you, when you have a lot going on um, and then you want to just disconnect, you know, put, put your headphones on and just run, not focus on anything. Um, I feel like every, everybody needs that. Yeah. Do you get that runner's high? Like, I feel like I do. Yeah. Yeah. Like. It feels like a high. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm, I feel high, but I'm not, I'm not getting high, you right. know? But it feels so good, and I love it. And uh, I feel like right when I do start, you know, the beginning is always a pain. But right when you get, you know, uh, get the ball rolling, you start running, um, you feel that. And, yeah, you want to just keep going. Like, I don't even know when people ask, hey, well, how, how much do you run? I'm like, I don't know. I just run until I'm just, tired. Yeah, well, what, what <laughs> do you run to? I'm like, I don't know. I just start <laughs> running. I walk out of my condo, and I just <laughs> run around downtown. Where are you going to? I don't know, City Creek, maybe some gateway, the Capitol. Um, I'm just running through. And like, like you mentioned, you know, downtown, it's like I'm currently downtown. We're thinking about possibly moving, but I love it so much because the way I look at it is it's a big kid's playground. It is. Literally. I always told you that. Especially yeah. nighttime. Yeah, no one's there. It's, it's such a clean city, too. It's so safe. Like, right. I, I would I would leave, like, around 1, 2 in the morning sometimes. I lived downtown for, for a long time as well. And, uh, you know, I do my little meditation and I go walking and I'd run and I go to the Capitol and then I find myself walking into the City Creek Canyon for that first little bit where it's completely pitch black. Right. And uh, putting myself in a situation where you're kind of vulnerable, I feel like callous your mind as well. You know what I mean? Because it makes you I feel like it brings out this primal kind of instinct where there wasn't any lights in the mm-hmm. past and you were alone wandering in the woods or the wilderness. And uh, it brings out this this almost primal side of me where it's it's kind of kind of uh, exciting you know and uh i don't know it's just it's really good for i feel like the yeah. brain you know and, and again it, get, it relieves a lot of pressure and a lot of stress and it gives you time to focus on just what you have going on in your life and work through those problems mentally you know what i mean well it's, it's like you said it's meditation it is you know yeah. because like if you look, boil down meditation what is it like how do i focus on one thing you know, how do I how do I clear everything out and focus on one thing? I mean, I get the same feeling when I'm training. Yeah. Right. And it seems so odd because it seems like getting punched in the face feels like it would be something that would be high stress. But for me in my in that moment, there's it's almost like when I'm doing martial arts or when I'm training MMA or I'm at my school and I'm doing that. It's um, I have no other choice because it, it becomes like life and death. It's like I'm going to get my ass kicked or I can really focus on this one thing right now. Like forget everything else. I just focus on this right now and that's it that's all i have because if i don't i'm either going to get punched in the face and it's going to hurt or i'm going to get choked out yep you know and so it's almost (laughs) you're forced to (laughs) you know what i mean and um but for me like i I think that's where i struggle the most is 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 clearing my mind you know because if i reflect back over the last couple weeks it's like well i have felt felt overwhelmed but i haven't been doing these things that i need to to clear my mind Mm -hmm. because i don't know if you guys feel this way but right like sometimes 
like I'll just wake up right before my alarm goes off and yep. I'm thinking about, you know, a thing on a spreadsheet that happened three weeks ago. And I'm like, holy my shit. My life yeah. right there. You know, I got to text myself or write it down right away because I know I'll forget. But it's like right away, like especially nighttime. I'm not sure if it, if it happens to you, but yep. I'll wake up in the middle of the night and go, I have a great idea. And then I text myself as a little reminder and then I look yeah. at it the following morning. But that'll just happen. Yeah. And your mind's constantly going. Like it wakes you up in the middle of the night or right when you get up. You know, I've been trying to make it a thing more recently. Like when I get up to put my phone away. Like I'm not taking any calls until 830. I, you cannot get a hold of me. You know, because the, if the, you know, the moment I get up, my mind's going and I'm thinking of all these things I have to do during mm -hmm. the day. And it's like, I almost need to calm the fuck down for yeah, a second. Yeah. You know, my, my girlfriend talks about me wigging out. She's like, you wake up in the morning and you immediately start wigging out and you're going a thousand miles an hour. And she's like, relax, like eat a waffle, just chill, just drink a coffee. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Uh, Alan, and, Alan would die if he had a waffle. Well, dude, I'm so happy you came in. Uh, dude, thanks for sharing with us, you know, your, your life, your story, uh, who you are, your business, you know, where you're heading. Uh, we're super excited and pumped to see that. Um, we're actually really looking forward to, Justin told us about it, you know, the event coming from Vegas. Yeah. I already told Alan, we both want to go. Come. Um, yeah. So if you could line that up, we'd love to come down um, and obviously show support and hopefully add and, and gain some value from that. Okay. Absolutely. Um, Thank but, you. But yeah, guys. dude. And I'm going to come by the school too, cause I'm gonna get my son back in there. He needs to get the hell out of the house and do something. You know what I mean? He'll love it. Yeah. Yeah. He, he'll love it. Um, but yeah, dude, dude, Alan, thanks for, for coming in today. Sure, I know man. You're busy. You probably write another offer right now. Right. right. Gonna gonna I'm, I'm going to go do that right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> go accept another offer right now. <laughs> we got a meeting to go to right now. Uh, thanks everybody for coming in again. Thank you. Um, Arjan and Alan, and uh, we'll see you guys in the next one. Thanks. I need to know everything. Who in the what in the where I need everything. Trust me, I hear what you're saying, but I like it's new what you're telling me. I'm curious, George, I hop in the Porsche, five and a horse.